Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Those responsible for inflicting terrible human suffering and those who defend it will use any means to justify it, no matter how grotesque. Now, that's why this matters. Regardless of your sexuality or your gender identity, I want the straights and the queers alike to hear this. And I think you're going to be surprised by a lot of what you hear. Now, we need to talk about pinkwashing or the use of LGBTQ people and their rights to justify Israel's brutal oppression of the Palestinian people. That is ethnic cleansing, an illegal belligerent occupation, which is the longest in modern history, a siege, which is also the longest in modern history, illegal colonization, land theft, those settlements, apartheid, as international and Israeli human rights groups have defined it, brutal mass incarceration without charge, torture, mass extrajudicial killings, we could go on. And in the here and now, of course, the mass slaughter of Gaza, combined with an all-out war and the conditions which sustain life, combined with genocidal rhetoric from the top down, which has led to South Africa hauling Israel before the International Court of Justice to face the charge of genocide. Now, LGBTQ people and their rights have repeatedly been used by Israel and its apologists to justify its crimes. This is known as pinkwashing. Israel knows that in the Western countries which provide it with weapons and support, it's those with progressive politics who are most likely to oppose injustices, such as the oppression of Palestinians. And it also knows that these same progressives disproportionately care a great deal about LGBTQ rights. So here's a way of sowing division and confusion among that camp, or even winning the support of some self-described progressives. Now, it should be said that Israel itself is a relative newcomer to LGBTQ rights. It legalised homosexuality in 1988 by repealing the law criminalising same-sex relations, which was imposed by the British Empire when it ruled Palestine back in 1936. Now, same-sex marriage is still illegal in Israel. For that matter, so are interfaith marriages. But clearly, LGBTQ rights for most Israeli citizens are far better in Israel than in most other countries in the region. And Tel Aviv Pride in particular is used to showcase Israel as a beacon of LGBTQ rights. Now, some important part points to begin with. I'm a passionate advocate of LGBTQ rights as an LGBTQ person. I want all LGBTQ people to live happy, secure, free lives, liberated from oppression, persecution, rejection, fear of stigma and abuse and violence, and the grinding misery of the closet. That isn't to say that I regard the oppression of LGBTQ people as the only form of oppression that matters. Vitally important though, of course it is. There are those I call oppression NIMBYs. NIMBY standing for not in my backyard, that's those who only care about oppression when it impacts their particular characteristic and frankly to hell with everybody else. Now that itself doesn't even make sense on its own terms because LGBTQ people everywhere do not necessarily only suffer oppression and they need violence because they're LGBTQ. Far, far from it. That's even true in countries like the one I'm from, the UK. There's a massive gap in lived experience between me, a gay man who's white, middle class, cis, that is my gender identity corresponds with that assigned at birth, and say a working class black gay man. I might get a lot of homophobic abuse online, I've suffered street level threats and 
homophobic violence or linked to my public platform as an openly gay man, but I don't suffer the systemic form of oppression a black gay man may suffer because of police harassment, racist persecution by the justice system, discrimination in terms of jobs, education, the provision of housing and other goods and services, high rates of poverty, we could go on. And that's without even discussing the racist and homophobic abuse they may receive as well. Now, in fact, I would never dream of comparing anything I've gone through with that experience. There's a chasm separating us. Now, a queer person is not just a queer person. They can be many other things too and suffer oppression accordingly. And that's an important principle, so let's keep it in mind. Another important principle to keep in mind is unconditional solidarity. I object to the oppression of and violence against civilians, whoever they are and whatever they think. If I saw someone suffering a racist attack in the streets, I wouldn't whip out a questionnaire and ask the victim as they're being bludgeoned to death to tell me their views on a whole range of social issues before I decide whether or not to help them. Again, that is an important principle to remember and, uh, and extrapolate. Being part of a minority which suffers oppression should make you want to have empathy and stand with others who suffer oppression, though tragically, alas, it does not. And there are so many tragic examples to the contrary. The oppression of LGBTQ people can be used to justify the horrific oppression of other groups, even those groups which obviously include LGBTQ people as well. Now, pinkwashing is part of a long-standing Western colonial tradition of claiming the West's civilised advantages, if you like, as justifications to oppress and colonise those they portray as uncivilised and thus deserving of being oppressed. As much as I'd wish there was a consensus on the horrors of, say, the British Empire to expose this as a self-serving nonsense, I'll instead give an example, uh, a regime I hope there is a consensus on, Benito Mussolini's fascist regime in Italy, which justified its invasion of Abyssinia in 1935 by drawing attention to the oppressive use of chattel slavery there. Now, today's far-right government in Israel includes raging homophobes. The finance minister, Bezalel Smotrich, was des himself described himself as a fascist homophobe. The far-right national security minister, Itamir Ben-Gavir, took part in anti-gay so-called beast parades and repeatedly petitioned to have Jerusalem Pride cancelled. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu previously appointed the extremist Avi Maoz to his government, who has viciously anti-LGBTQ views combined with misogyny and anti-Arab racism. Now, Israel's shift towards overt far-right politics obviously means the ascendancy of more homophobic, anti-LGBTQ, anti-queer politics. Now, the Israeli state has sought repeatedly to blackmail queer Palestinians. As the Israeli newspaper Haaretz quoted a soldier, an Israeli soldier in Unit 8200, sorry, a military intelligence unit, as saying, if you're homosexual and know someone who wants a wanted person and you need to know about it, Israel will make your life miserable. Any such case in which you fish out an innocent person from whom information might be squeezed or who could be recruited as a collaborator was like striking gold for us and for Israel's entire intelligence community. During my training course in preparation for my service in this assigned role, we actually learned to memorize different words for gay in Arabic. It goes on to say that Israel's internal intelligence unit, the Shin Bet, put a cruel choice between gay Palestinians, betray their people by spying for the regime and risk being cruelly put to death, all in exchange for keeping their secret, or have their secret exposed and be ostracized from their families, exposed to violent attacks and perhaps even murdered. Now, in 2023, a militant group named Lion's Den executed a resident of Nablus in the West Bank, claiming he'd collaborated with Israel 
offering intelligence which led to Israel's targeted assassination of two Palestinian militants after he'd been blackmailed into collaboration using a sex tape. So there was a striking example there. Now, a key point, of course, here is to actually listen to Palestinian queer activists themselves rather than those claiming to act on their behalf, those who aren't really interested in their freedom whatsoever. They're just using, the, using them to justify the broader oppression of the Palestinian people. Now, Al Qurs is a Palestinian LGBTQ movement, and they offer up to international activists five ways to support queer Palestinians. One of those asks us to realise that colonialism, patriarchy and homophobia are all connected forms of oppression and points out that singling out incidents of homophobia in Palestinian society ignores the complexities of Israel's colonisation and military occupation being a contributing factor to Palestinian LGBTQ oppression. They specifically ask us to steer clear of pinkwashing. They say that includes perpetuating or avoiding perpetuating ties and tropes of presenting Palestinians as inherently oppressive or Israel as a liberal state that protects LGBTQ rights, saying this is counterproductive and factually basis. They say Israel is a settler colonial state offering no rights to Palestinians, queer or otherwise. And they say their struggle as queer Palestinians is against Israeli colonialism as much as it is about fighting homophobia and patriarchy in Palestine, rejecting Israel's pinkwashing tactics in which they say they lie about saving LGBTQ Palestinians from their society. And that's a crucial point. As we've noted, LGBTQ people are not simply oppressed because they are LGBTQ. Now, as for this go to Gaza and get executed trope, which keeps getting thrown at queer activists who oppose the mass slaughter of Gaza, this hypothesis was previously tested to destruction by the US model actor and activist, Rain Dove, who did exactly that, went with the delegation of fellow queer activists to Gaza who were openly, visibly queer, and met with local queer Gazan Palestinians and found themselves not persecuted or killed, but indeed welcomed. Now, in the current onslaught, we've seen the truly hideous spectacle of Israeli soldiers holding the pride flag in the rubble of Gaza, including one which was inscribed in the name of love. Now, the idea of the pride flag being unveiled in the bombed wastelands of Gaza, surrounded by the rem remains of slaughtered Palestinians, trying to yassify mass murder, is so nauseating it's actually difficult to even think of the words. Since this current episode began, I've been myself bombarded with hundreds or maybe even more thousands of messages from people who clearly have no actual authentic interest in LGBTQ people or LGBTQ rights, who only refer to us when they think we're a convenient weapon to justify oppressing other people. Many of them are themselves clearly profoundly homophobic. They gleefully suggest that I go to Gaza and be executed and often go to gra graphic detail about how that will happen. Some of them keep sending me photographs of gay men being thrown off roofs by Islamist fundamentalists claiming that's Hamas. None of these photographs are from Gaza or indeed have anything to do with Hamas. They're pictures of ISIS executions in Syria. Now, some have even mocked up AI images of me personally being thrown to my death, death off from roofs. They've coined a phrase, Hamasexual, uh, which they think is terribly funny. I've been spammed by accounts located in Israel. Looks very much like a coordinated campaign to me. Gleefully reveling in the idea I'd be executed and making up Again, oh so hilarious jives like queers for Palestine being like chickens for KFC. So what's the truth here? Well, firstly, a bit of history. The general claim that Islam is inherently hostile when it comes to gay people um, is rather more complicated when you look at history. Now, an important caveat here, the way we see people as being, say, gay or straight in today's world is a relatively modern phenomenon, and we need to be careful about crudely imposing modern concepts on past times. But if we look at the Ottoman Empire, 
which ruled Palestine until 1918. There was a far more liberalised approach to same-sex relations than most of Europe in the 19th century. A law introduced in 1858 is widely understood as decriminalising same-sex relations across the Ottoman Empire, including Palestine, when it was often brutally oppressed in other places. But even before then, there were many examples of it being tolerated, quite like the, the image of caliphates cultivated by, for example, the likes of ISIS. Now, in the early modern period, even, there were lots of references by Western European visitors to the Ottoman Empire to sodomy. And the distinction wasn't about being gay or otherwise. Again, it's just a concept which didn't exist in that sense, but rather active and passive partners. Now, homosexuality was only criminalised in Palestine in 1936 by the British Empire under the British Mandate Criminal Code Ordinance 1936 with a maximum penalty of 10 years imprisonment. Now, it was actually repealed in the West Bank in 1951 after it was annexed by Jordan. So actually Jordan and the West Bank repealed this law in 1951, 37 years before Israel did, and notably 26 years before the UK partially decriminalised homosexuality. So in the West Bank, it isn't actually illegal to be gay and hasn't been for a long time. Now, a horrendous story which keeps circulating on social media concerns the truly hideous story of Ahmed Abu Maria. Now, he was a 25-year-old gay Palestinian from the West Bank who was found beheaded after trying to seek asylum in Israel and Canada because of threats from his own community. Now, the misleading narrative was that he was beheaded by the authorities, or uh, when it's posted on social media, that's often the given implication. That's not true. The Palestinian police arrested an acquaintance of his as a suspect. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hideous story. Now, what I'm saying doesn't mean, obviously, that the West Bank is some good place to be gay. It isn't. Despite the law, there's a huge social stigma attached to being gay there. In Gaza itself, the 1936 British law remains. I've previously come into attack on social media for pointing this out, as though I'm saying or letting Hamas off the hook and clearly not arguing that this itself is the fundamental explainer in terms of the plight of LGBTQ people in Gaza. And as we've seen, it can be repealed, as it has been in the West Bank and Israel itself. Now, according to the Human Dignity Trust, a LGBTQ foundation founded by British barristers with the aim of promoting pro-gay legislation worldwide, there's little evidence of the law being enforced and it appears to be largely obsolete in practice. None of this is to absolve Hamas of other crimes, not least the war crimes they've committed against Israeli civilians, or indeed repression committed in other ways against fellow Palestinians. There's no evidence of queer Gazans being executed because of their sexuality. I mean, there have been executions by Hamas for other reasons, overwhelmingly for alleged uh, collaboration with Israel. Uh, also a few examples of, say, murder. 
Last reported examples were five men executed in 2022 and before that in 2017. Now, clearly, someone who passionately opposes the death penalty, all of that should be opposed, but it doesn't, let's be honest, distinguish Hamas in that particular regard from the United States. Now, there is the reported example in 2016 of a commander of Hamas's military wing, Mahmoud Istoui, widely reported as being uh, accused of being gay in the Western media and executed accordingly. But when you read into it, it's far more complicated than that. It seems to be that he was the victim of an internal power struggle. He was accused of various crimes like embezzlement, reportedly professed his innocence of all claims. He was tortured, reportedly went on hunger strike, maybe even died in the course of that hunger strike and then being shot after his death with the claim then that he was executed. In any case, it's extremely unlikely it was due to allegations he was gay. That may have actually just been added to discredit and humiliate him. Now, if Garzans are being imprisoned for being gay, it's actually hard to find evidence of that. That's not to say Gaza is a good place to be LGBTQ. It clearly is not. The major problem here, like the West Bank, and like many other countries in the region, is intense social stigma. Not just countries in the region, many countries all over the world, let's be honest. Now, as Dorgham um, Abu Salim, a gay Palestinian from Gaza, wrote in the Israeli newspaper Haaretz, there's no doubt that life for a member of the LGBTQ community in Gaza is both arduous and dangerous. I would know. I grew up in Gaza. But what he does is rejects what he describes as a well-documented Israeli campaign to vilify Palestinians and exploit LGBTQ Palestinians, all while turning a blind to what he calls Israeli homophobia. He argues that many Gazan youths wish to leave Gaza, not simply because of their sexual orientation, but because of the misery inflicted upon them by Israel's continued siege and its debilitating large-scale military assaults that rendered Gaza nearly unfit for human habitation as well as Egypt's closure of the Rafah crossing. Now, he also suggests that the 1936 British Mandate Code is open to interpretation, and quoting a Palestinian legal expert could even allow homosexuality depending on age, consent, and extortion. He also says that the clandestine nature of gay Gazans is a familiar experience nearly everywhere in the world, from rural American towns to conservative Israeli cities and illegal settlements in the West Bank. Palestine is no exception. Finally, he says, to suggest that Gaza's woes begin and end with Hamas is both dishonest and lazy. To say that only LGBTQ people in Gaza are suffering is disingenuous. Now, this is from 2018, before the current horror, which has been unleashed, of course, against Gaza. In another article in the same Israeli newspaper, Haaretz, there's an interview with a queer Gazan who says the gay community in the Gaza Strip is huge and claims that the number of people who are secretly involved in gay relationships is increasing. He says, I know about 150 gay guys in the Strip. I met them all during the past four years. And then he adds that it's hard to keep a secret in Gaza. Rumours spread there quickly and everybody knows everything about everybody. Again, that's interesting detail and nuance from an Israeli newspaper. There's a website called Queering the Map, which is pretty heartbreaking, I have to say, in many ways. It allows LGBTQ identifying users to post geotagged posts, and that includes several posts from Gaza. So some examples include a post in central Gaza. Someone has written, the only thing that keeps me patient in Gaza is the sea and you. Another posted at the edge of a pier says, a place where I kissed my first cr crush. Being gay in Gaza is hard, but somehow it's fun. And made out of a lot of boys in my neighborhood, I thought everyone is gay to some level. Others include messages supporting Palestinian liberation. In solidarity with all my Palestinian brothers and sisters, you are loved. Free Palestine. Another, please know... Despite what the media says, there are gay Palestinians. We are here. We are queer. Free Palestine. Then there's this particularly heartbreaking example. I've always imagined you and me sitting out in the sun, hand in hand, free at last. We spoke of all the places we would go if we could. 
Yet you are gone now. If I'd known that bombs raining down on us would take you from me, I would have gladly told the world how I adored you more than anything. I'm sorry I was a coward. Now, clearly being queer in Gaza before this onslaught began was hard. Overwhelmingly because of social stigma, again, not something specific to Gaza. But queer sexual relations and indeed love clearly did happen. And these same queer Palestinians suffered the horrendous oppression imposed by Israel's 16-year-long siege of Gaza. And of course, many of them themselves, before that, suffered Israeli military occupation and the experience of being refugees who, or descendants of refugees, who were driven from their homes in 1948. And what now? Well, what now? Queer Gazans are having their homes destroyed. 70%, of course, are damaged and destroyed, so that will be the case for most queer Gazans. They've been, overwhelmingly, displaced from their homes. Proportionately speaking, that would mean 85% of them. They're being left unable to access food and clean water. They're living under the daily terror of bombs. They're being denied medical care. They're losing loved ones, killed by Israeli weapons. They are themselves being maimed and killed. If we estimate that around 3% of any given population is LGBTQ, that means around 1,000 LGBTQ Gazans have been killed by the Israeli military since their onslaught against Gaza began, and it also means approaching 2,000 have been injured. All of these, together, are far greater horrors than the social stigma they face because of their sexual orientation. So in sum, pinkwashing is a cynical, grotesque attempt to use the oppression of LGBTQ people to support ethnic cleansing, occupation, siege, land theft, colonisation, mass incarceration. And before this hideous episode, the mass slaughter of Palestinians, including 6,376 Palestinians who were killed between 2008 and the 6th of October 2023. Again, some of those will have been queer. And of course, now, since then, the horrors unleashed against Gaza. It's got nothing to do with advancing the rights of Palestinian queer people who, like other Palestinians, suffer hideous oppression. Now, the cynicism for all of this is underlined by Western support for, say, Saudi Arabia, a state which engages in far more hideous oppression of LGBTQ people, including numerous barbaric executions. And this whole narrative goes against what queer Palestinians themselves are saying. Like the queer Palestinian activists I've quoted, like Bashar Murad, a queer Palestinian singer who I've interviewed, unlike the countless queer Palestinians who've been in touch with me, sending me direct messages, since this horror began. Now, indeed, in the here and now, a group called Queers in Palestine have issued a statement entitled No Pride in Genocide, talking of their immense feelings of frustration and disgust at the sight of Israeli soldiers raising pride flags in Gaza, adding we see through their despicable tactics of weaponizing homophobia and queer violence for colonial means. We need to listen to them. It should not need to be said that the road to liberation of LGBTQ people doesn't come through the murderous oppression of a people who've suffered so many decades of brutal subjugation and now face what many are describing as genocide. And indeed, the apologists for Israeli crimes do not actually care about the rights of LGBTQ people. They're simply using LGBTQ people as a convenient ruse to justify those crimes. Don't fall for it. Don't use oppression to justify others and often far, far greater forms of oppression and have a consistent approach to fighting oppression. If you really want to stand with queer Palestinians, then that must mean you stand against the overwhelming oppression they suffer as Palestinians, queer or straight. Please like and subscribe. Uh, do share this video. I think this is quite an important one to get out. Uh, you can keep the show on the road at patreon.com forward slash owenjoes84. Listen to the podcast. I'll speak to you soon. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.